This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Jamie All Over. If you're new here, an extra welcome to you. I know last week the podcasts that we put out brought in a lot of new listeners. I have had such an amazing time talking to you in my DMs, getting to know you all. You're awesome. So welcome to the Jamie All Over community if you did decide to subscribe and stick around. I really try to put something out each week that you can take something away from it, whether it's motivation, inspiration, you might have learned something or you might have been directed to go look into something that sparked your curiosity, or maybe you just felt heard and seen and could relate to something in the episode. I'm getting a lot of people saying that the ADHD episode was very eye-opening and they felt that I was describing them and their experiences back in high school to a T. I had no idea it would reach so many people or that there were so many people who felt a similar way that I did. And that's one of the wonderful things about podcasting is that you can talk to so many people from all over the world and realize that you're not alone in many of the things that you may not talk about to your friends or family or significant other. So thank you to everyone who has reached out. It's been a pleasure. I posted four questions about cheating. I never received so many responses to a podcast question box as I did for this topic. This really, really struck a nerve. This was so eye-opening reading all of these stories. There's definitely some common threads here. The point that I would really like to drive home is that if you think what you're suffering in, that you're alone in that, or you feel shame or guilt about it, or you feel weak, or you don't want to talk to anyone about it because you think they'll judge you, there are so many other people who feel the same way and have kept that in. And I received an outpouring. The most interesting thing that I found is that it was from all women. My followers are more men than women. It's in the 50s. It's like, 50-something for men, 40-something percent for women, I think. Yet, the only responses I got were from women. And that made me think. I think, as women, it affects us on such a molecular level if we are cheated on or if we cheat because we feel the guilt and the shame on what I think is a way deeper level, something that we are living with every day It can be triggered very easily. And even if we're with partners who had nothing to do with past traumas, things that they can do can cause mistrust. 
And I just feel like you're all out there navigating this alone. So what I want to tell you is I literally read hundreds of stories. And thank you all for being so open and sharing such intimate, private details with me. And you're all so strong. No matter what category you fell into, some people had all three. You're all very strong. And I commend you for working on the things that you knew needed to be worked on. And we'll get into those stories. And I'll tell you my story as well. But getting back to only hearing from women, that leads me to believe that men are able to shake this off way easier. I don't know why that is, but it's almost that they seem to be able to disassociate from all of it. So much so that if they are the guilty party, a lot of times they're unable to even show remorse or admit to what they did and apologize. And then they're leaving these women that they cheated on without the proper closure. They have to just get that closure on their own. I know that you don't need another person to apologize to get your own closure, but I just think it's the least someone can do if they've wronged you is to give you that closure and give you that real apology and just admit everything. Because without it, and I'm speaking from personal experience, I think the healing just takes so much longer. And it's all the things that come with that too, right? Like the gaslighting. For how long were they saying, you're just jealous, you're just insecure, it's nothing to worry about, she's just a coworker. she's just a friend. The common thread here also is that most of the time, women's intuition knows. They know when something isn't right. But then, you know, we get all of that gaslighting turned around on us to the point where we think we're the crazy ones or we feel bad for thinking that of them. And that's such an evil part of it. You know, it's like if you know you're doing this to a person to make them feel bad about themselves even further, to make them feel crazy and to put them down, knowing that you're doing this is just disgusting. I hate it. I hate it. Another common thread is that it seems as though men are cowards. For any man out there that's listening, I apologize. I don't mean to generalize. I know there are good ones. For those of you who are married, I know there's good husbands out there. I'm not saying every man, but I'm saying the ones in these stories, for the most part, were cowards. And I don't know what it is about men, but instead of leaving a relationship that they're not happy in, they will do things behind their wife's back that are so extremely hurtful and probably more hurtful than them actually being up front before anything starts with another person and saying, I am not happy. And their excuses are always like, well, I didn't want to hurt my wife. Thought it would hurt her if I would tell her. It's like, oh my God, what you're doing behind her back would also hurt her if she were to find it. And that even just goes for DMs and emotional cheating, you know, when they're getting the attention from someone else. Obviously, with Instagram and social media, it's so much easier to do that these days. If I sound a little worked up right now, which I'm trying not to, I'm trying to calm down and be zen. But I've had quite a 24 hour. I mean, I've had quite a week or even a month, (laughs) you know, since since March 1st, it's been a whirlwind because that's when I got my diagnosis. And then the next day I found out about Scandival and everything's been turned upside down. I really just haven't even had time to process my diagnosis properly yet. Let's get to today's topic. This is a person some of you may know, especially if you're interested in last week's episodes. I don't need to say his name. I did cheat on my ex with blank. 
In fact, I'm sober 17 years, but back then I was drinking heavily and in a blackout at the time. He had a girlfriend too and told me that very matter-of-factly. I cheated because I was an alcoholic desperate for validation, and when I was mad at my boyfriend or felt neglected or abandoned, I would seek attention elsewhere. It was a toxic relationship, but I didn't leave because I really loved my ex, but I didn't know how to communicate or solve problems when we were both drunk 25-year-olds. So I asked a couple follow-up questions, and her response was, It was a one-night stand. I met him in Miami at Club Bed back when I still lived in New York City. Me and my sister partied with him and his group. Nothing happened that night, but I do remember all of us going to the Eden Rock and him singing karaoke, which is hilarious in hindsight. He sang, Say It Ain't So. Then, when I moved to L.A., I was super wasted one night and ended up at a house party. Don't know whose house or even what city, but I remember seeing him again there and going up to him and asking him if he remembered me and my sister from Miami. I don't recall the full convo, but I remember saying, my sister thinks you're hot. Can I bring you home to her? And he was like, sure. But when we got there, my sister wasn't home. So my drunk ass said, oh, well, I can't let you go to waste. And we went upstairs to my bedroom. I don't remember if I asked or if he just said he had a girlfriend. And I think I already told him I had a boyfriend. I remember it being quick and small. And I definitely didn't orgasm. He left and we didn't even exchange numbers. I felt super guilty after. So while we're on the subject of women cheating on their partners, someone is in a long-term relationship. I don't think they're married She's been having an emotional affair, and what she wrote was, In past relationships, I was cheated on, and it left me feeling insecure and less than. I also cheated, but didn't really gain anything from it. I constantly carried guilt, yet I never left the relationship. At that time, I thought that person was all I would ever have. I think I was just too young and immature to leave, and somewhere in the back of my mind thought, This is normal. It'll pass. I'm currently in a relationship where I was cheated on early into it. I originally stayed in the relationship because kids are involved, and at one point I just accepted that this would happen because of his work-slash-lifestyle. He's a musician. I stayed loyal for years, yet carried so much hurt and bitterness, and even anger, because this was the first relationship that I was 100% loyal. Our relationship was constantly rocky due to other areas where he couldn't be truthful, but he kept requesting that I give him time to change. I would give him chances, but eventually started telling him, once you figure it out, I'm going to be checked out. Sure enough, he started coming around when I was feeling checked out. And at the time, I was finding myself again and again. And at the time, I was finding myself again after having kids. I also started getting a lot of attention from other men at this time. We had a few discussions, and during one, he basically granted me a hall pass, stated he understood his past mistakes, and once I get whatever I need out of my system, he'd be ready to move forward and grow for our children. I unfortunately found myself in an emotional relationship with a married man. I have never felt this much passion or connection with someone. Things got intense super fast. We have shared a kiss and have sexted a few times. Even after all of the hurt I endured from being cheated on and the progress I've made within my own healing, I allowed this to continue. I think the end goal is really just two selfish people chasing desires, finding satisfaction from playing with fire. He had no plans of leaving his wife 
and has actually been caught doing this before. Things have subsided, but through this I've learned that I am addicted to attention and feeling loved and slightly sex. What I've witnessed from him is that he finds thrill within sneaking around and may have a sex addiction as well. What I experienced with him in the moment felt great and lit a fire within me. However, all of that comes with guilt, shame, and obviously a lot more work that I need to do. Was the hall pass worth it? Maybe if it wasn't a married man. The situation doesn't align with who I'm trying to be and the line of work that I offer to others. I'm currently in a low headspace from the decisions I've made. In the end, out of being cheated on and being the cheater, I feel like it's much easier to just be honest, properly communicate what you need, and be mature. I feel like the uncomfortable conversations leave you feeling much better than when you have to carry around guilt, shame, or sneak around. I'm seeking help for this and am advising him to do the same. There are some commonalities between these stories. It may be a midlife crisis. It may be got married too young and grew apart. It may be you married the wrong person. It may be you have an addiction of sex or love, either or, or both, like this one just mentioned. It could be a personality disorder. It could be a substance abuse issue. It could be your own self-worth and self-esteem that is low. There's so many reasons, but the ones that I just mentioned were the ones that were coming up. What I'm hearing from most of them is the guilt, the shame, wanting to get help. There were some that didn't feel the guilt, though. Here's someone who was cheated on. I've been cheated on numerous times in my marriage. While he's out cheating, I'm here raising amazing humans. We have two kids together. I get mad occasionally, but when I see what my kids are accomplishing... I know it's because of me, not my cheating piece of shit husband. I said, I'm so sorry. Can I ask why you stay? Are you in love with him? I will always love him. He gave me my very best gifts in life and I will forever feel grateful. I'll leave him eventually. Right now, it feels easier to stay since my kids are still home. He can go and do what he wants. It doesn't affect me like I thought it would. I'll get my time. I'll be living my best life soon enough. I know I'm just a female from the Midwest but if you're ever looking for a true opinion, I'm here. I love what you do, and I appreciate you. She seems like a kind person. Every single person that wrote to me, I just want happiness for you all. More than anything, I want you to know your worth. And I did get stories of people who have been cheated on and stayed. And they say that they're happy, and that was years ago, and they went to therapy, and they've worked through it, and they can trust their husband again. Then I got other stories from people who say that it went exactly how you'd think it went. He cheated, I forgave him, I stayed, and he cheated again, and I wasted all of this time, and I wish I got out sooner. Okay, this is someone who has cheated, been cheated on, and was the other woman. She says, cheated, been cheated on, and been the other chick, but usually just once, if you know what I mean. So I guess one night stands with married men. I cheated because I was young, dumb, messy, and insecure which is the same reason I messed around with someone else's person. Personally, now that I'm older, wiser, and just simply I like myself, having been on all sides, I would much rather be cheated on slash be fucked over, whatever that looks like, than be the person who is doing the screwing over. I am over the people who fucked me over and the shitty feelings that come with it, but I have to live with myself for the shitty things I've done, and I feel horrible about them. I think there is always some part of that guilt, remorse, and shame that stays with you when you hurt someone. Unless you're a fucking psychopath. 
don't you think? So I asked, do you think men and women feel the shame equally? I feel like women carry it more, do you? And she said, obviously what I'm going to say is a total generalization, but here we are. I definitely think women bear it more, feel it harder, and carry it longer. I believe society slash patriarchy plays a huge part in that. Also, while I think these types of behavior typically stem from insecurity, I do think men and women cheat and or allow themselves to be the other person for different reasons. Women for validation. Men for ego. Same but different. Subsequently, women bear it more. Does that make sense? I think so. And I think that's that's what I'm getting is that clearly because women were the only ones who wanted to even get this off their chest and they are still carrying it around with them. Okay, so here's someone who was cheated on and left. I was cheated on throughout a two-year relationship. There could have been others along the way, but it was mainly with one other chick. I had three big indicators that he was cheating, but nothing concrete. I even messaged the girl and she didn't answer because I think she wanted to show my ex I was the crazy girl. The first two he talked his way out of, which of course makes you feel so silly. A lot of begging, gaslighting, plain old lying to explain, love bombing afterwards. The third fishy thing, Snapchat best friends list of all things. I told him he had 24 hours to explain or it was over. At that point, I messaged suspected girl again, and she'd been over him for a few months and just freaking burned the house down and told me everything. It was awesome. So I said, sorry I had to go through that. What was dating like after? Technically, not too bad, I guess. The first few guys I wasn't interested in all that much. My ex and I had unhealthy codependency going on, and we thought we were star-crossed lovers. So no one really compared. My husband, who I met probably two years after, is actually one of the most transparent and sometimes honest to a fault people in the world, in addition to a million other great qualities. So I think with how open he is as a person, that probably was a huge draw in my forever partner. Before my husband, I usually went for good guys, but where emotionally I sort of had the upper hand. Weird to think about now but I couldn't let myself fall that hard again where I ignored a ton of stuff. There was so much love bombing, no one will ever love you like I do, talks, future family at very inappropriate times. So I think I was more weary of guys that just seemed unstable to me. Then when I got with my husband, I still do some crazy snooping. That's honestly not really fair. After Scandival, I literally went through his texts and DMs. Luckily, he's a very chill person and knows my past experiences impact me in that way. Where I'm pretty fucked up is I don't really feel guilty snooping. It's like, well, I gotta know. Sorry. I said, if women had access to their husband's DMs, I think there would be a lot of breakups. And then I said, I'm glad your husband understood that she was snooping. She said, yeah, he just finds it a little annoying. But when I'm triggered by something like this, I just need to know. That said, my ex had a full other girlfriend. So I do think it rewired my brain a bit, and I'm wondering if it has for others as well. Here's someone who was being cheated on by their boyfriend. My best friend and boyfriend were hooking up behind my back for the better part of a year. I was young. He was my first love and overall wrong for me in every way. But that's young love for you, right? She was like a sister to me, and in hindsight, of course, I see all the red flags that I chose to ignore. I trusted them and in turn was gaslighted and made to question my own sanity. It was the ultimate betrayal, and while I've moved past it, I'll never really forget that sting of pain. I was left with some deep-rooted trust issues, 
which resulted in me being the crazy jealous person they had convinced me I was in future relationships. I'm happily married today, and I've learned so much from that experience, but I don't wish it on anyone. So yeah, gotta say it. I'm triggered. Hashtag Team Ariana. I asked what were some of the red flags that she ignored. Well, first of all, I would hear rumors of speculation about the two of them from other friends or acquaintances. And when I would confront them, they would laugh. But eventually, it would turn to a lot of manipulation on both their parts. She would act hurt. He would blow it up at me. He was verbally and eventually physically abusive. I'd end up apologizing. Once the seed had been planted, I would notice flirting, disappearing at parties, hanging out without me. It sounds so silly now because all these things are just so obvious. Inexperience, blind love, loyalty, and trust on my part led to some very clouded judgment. Also, it was always the three of us hanging out, so I would rationalize with myself and be like, but I'm always with them. It's impossible. Clearly, it was very possible. Thank you for listening. Okay, here's one from the other woman. I was the other woman unknowingly in my early 20s. He told me he was divorced and that his wife left and took his kid and wouldn't let him have contact. About a month later, after I started having real feelings for him, his wife called to tell me she never left. It was a drama-filled few months where he kept saying he was done with her and wanted me. I finally just left for good. Last I heard, his wife got knocked up by someone else and finally left him, and he spent a few years couch surfing. Flash forward to now, my husband had cheated on me a few years ago, and then we found out he had a huge brain tumor that caused him to act out of character. It took a lot of therapy and work for me to actually stay. We have four kids, and I knew I had to give it my all. We have to live pretty transparently for me to trust again, but it's been working so much better for the last few years. Tumor and mistress removed. Okay, here's one from someone who was cheated on while pregnant. I was cheated on while I was pregnant with my first child 13 years ago, numerous times. He slept with a friend of mine while I was inside as I turned in early from a campfire hangout. He would sleep with his ex-girlfriend as well, which resulted in another child six months younger than mine. I didn't find all this out until after I gave birth. He was even at an ultrasound while I was giving birth at the hospital and trying to reach him. I've worked through so many trust issues since then. Instead of focusing on what he did wrong, I focused on myself and my growth. I didn't allow what he did to affect his role as co-parent until he became unsafe for my child to be around. Since this time, I have married an incredible man, almost 10 years, who has adopted my son and has stuck by through healing from trust betrayal issues. We have three kids all together now. My take is that there is a way back from hurt and betrayal. It takes time, work, and people around you that are willing to go the distance with you. There is hope. I asked, do you think you're fully healed from the past? I think from that particular situation, yes, but I worked really hard at it. It took a lot of therapy, communication with my current husband, and again, that village of friends. I'm in a great place in life and would never have found my husband if that didn't happen. I have trust with my partner, and that's such a huge thing to have. We can only be responsible for our own actions, and I don't want to live a life caged in unforgiveness of my past. There is hope of having a loving, healthy relationship after cheating. It's just next level when you're pregnant. That extra betrayal, it's excruciating. Well, I guess it's about that time to talk about mine. <laughs> and I've had several situations I can discuss but since this person just brought up being cheated on when she was pregnant, 
I guess I'll piggyback off of that one. I was with someone probably for a total of seven years. We were engaged. When I first met him, I thought I had never been so in love with anyone. I thought he was the one, and I was completely blinded by anything negative and completely willing to accept anything negative because of these strong feelings that I thought I had for him. Within meeting, we moved in together very quickly, became exclusive very quickly. We met in May, and then by December, he had become physically abusive. He is an ex-Marine, and he has PTSD. He's also a former heroin addict before I knew him. But I know that the VA had put him on methadone to quit the heroin. He was getting really sick from it, so he decided to just quit cold turkey, which obviously you should never do anything like that on your own without discussing it with your doctor. But he did. He was saying the fact that he did that turned him into somebody that he wasn't, and he was physically abusive to me because of that reason, and he begged for my forgiveness. I thought he was telling me the truth. That must have been the reason, and I felt empathy for his whole situation, so I stayed. Then May of the following year, another physical situation had happened. This time, neighbors heard and called the police. They came and arrested him, and he was in jail for several days. He had made threats that he was going to kill me. At this point, I'm so confused, wondering how the person I love and who says he loves me and wanted to marry me could hurt me this way. And I know this is a cheating podcast, so I will get to that. (laughs) But I took him back after that second time, somehow. It was a lot of very long emails, begging for forgiveness, a lot of love bombing, and I still thought I loved him. I was very dumb. And at this point, when you're with someone who emotionally, physically abuses you, your worth is just in the gutter, so you don't even know what's what anymore. And it's almost like a drug because it's such extremes. It was such extremes from the lowest of the lows to then the forgiveness part and the love bombing. It just does a number on you mentally. It really does. And anyone who's been through it, you know this already. So I obviously was turning into someone I'm not. And I had a best friend at the time who sent me an email telling me she gave up on me. She gives up and he wins. She didn't know the extent of what was happening. She just thought I was changing. She didn't know about the abuse at this point, but had a bad feeling about him nonetheless. And so now I was super isolated. I didn't have any family in L.A. either. It was just him. And I would go to work. He didn't work. I was the one that worked in a very good job. I was vice president in a commercial real estate company in Beverly Hills. So here I am going to an office every day, pretending to be someone I wasn't. But I would go home on my lunch breaks and I would rush home. Or if I was out like touring properties, I would sneak up on him and try to come home because I always had this nauseous feeling in my stomach, leaving him alone. And I would catch things here and there, but it was nothing like solid evidence. There was no solid proof. People would text him and he'd be like, oh, it's for work. Or I'd find things on his computer. I would find emails to an ex-girlfriend. He talked his way out of everything. And then one time I did find something on his phone. And I think I threw it in the toilet. I was so upset. And I took his clothes out of the closet and I threw them down. And I said, you need to leave. And of course, I was the crazy person at this point, right? He took his hands, wrapped them around my throat and banged my head against the wall and strangled me. Did other things graphic. We don't need to get into it. And it's crazy because he was in 
mandatory anger management classes because of the time when he went to jail. Turns out he was cheating on me from a year into our relationship, and we were together for about seven years. He met a girl online on a dating app during one of our fights or one of our breakups, and he just never stopped talking to her. And I knew about her, and I was aware of her at some point. He said that she was in the music industry, and she was just helping him, and they're just a friend, and she was like a fangirl. (laughs) And assured me that nothing was going on, and of course I was the jealous, insecure one. At one point I also found a credit card statement that had a hotel charge on it. And he talked his way out of that as well, saying that they just talked because they went to a bar and went there afterwards to talk and drink. The things that you believe when you think you love a person are crazy. So we're broken up. And one point he comes over and we hook up. And that's when I got pregnant. Because I was pregnant, we tried to make it work again. And I found him talking to her again while I was pregnant. Those hotel charges happened while I was pregnant. So clearly, you know, he was cheating on me while I was pregnant. But I didn't really discover the bulk of it until Ivy was about seven months old and my parents were out in California visiting us, staying with me. And he left something open on his computer screen and he had gone to his friend's house. And it was an email address that I didn't recognize for him. He had created a separate email account for him to talk with this girl that he had been cheating on me with for years. So it was emotional. It was physical. But he never admitted to the physical portion of it to this day. And to this day, I'm the insecure, jealous one still. Throughout this whole thing, we would go to therapists, a psychiatrist. And I've said this story before, but I didn't say who it was about. But my therapist and the psychiatrist on two different occasions, two different points in the timeline, both said to me during a visit when he decided not to come, They said to me, well, now that he's not here, I'm going to tell you, he's a narcissistic sociopath. He'll never change. Therapy will not help him. And in fact, narcissists enjoy therapy because they love talking about themselves, but it won't heal them. Now, I'm not saying that that's true or not. I don't know. That's just what my therapist at the time told me. And a psychiatrist said the same thing, that I need to just leave him. There's no help. There's no changing him. And this thought really bothers me because it's like... These abusive men and yeah, we we leave them. We shouldn't be with them. But then we just put them out in the world to go ruin someone else's life. I feel like there needs to be something else, but I don't know what. But I, I just feel like they shouldn't just be let loose to wreak their havoc on everyone until they finally all decide to leave them as well after being traumatized. I have no solution for that, though. But I ended up having to fight him in family court. I ended up having to get a restraining order against him. And at one point, I finally said, enough is enough. You're not going to make these threats to me. He used to threaten me to get me fired from my real estate job. He would make all kinds of like false accusations about things that I was doing that it was weird, just weird shit. And um, I prevailed. When I finally got that restraining order granted, I could finally be me again. I could finally breathe. I didn't have someone harassing me every day or making threats to me or trying to degrade me or call me all kinds of names. And it allowed me to heal. And it has been a process since then. That was maybe three years ago, three, four years ago that I got that restraining order. He has a lot of mental issues. And I still do feel empathy for his time served in the military. And I've tried to tell this story many times on the podcast, but I've erased it. And I never put it out because it's my daughter's father and she doesn't know. You know, I don't want her to know. All I want her to know is that 
Her dad is great and loves her. After that cheating and the abuse, obviously relationships for me have been hard. Been hard for me to trust people. And when I did have my first boyfriend after that relationship, it brought up a lot of past traumas. So it was then that I knew I still had a lot of healing to do. And that's when I got really serious about it. And that was about two years ago. I'm good. I'm happy. I'm strong. So if I can express anything to you, if you're in that situation, first of all, get away from your abuser. You have to. You have to. I don't care how much you think you love him, how much you think he will change, how much you think he loves you, what excuses he's giving or she's giving. Please get out of that situation. There's so much help for you out there. There's so many domestic violence shelters. There are hotlines you can call. There's counseling that you can get. And a lot of times, a lot of it is free. I know if you have a pet, that's reason people stay because they are scared to leave and pets are not welcome at most domestic violence shelters. Most of the time, the abuser has made threats to the pet as well. And that's why I promote a program called the Purple Leash Project, because they, along with Purina, are helping to adapt domestic violence shelters to be able to take pets. Currently, only about 17% of them do. But an estimated one in three women and one in four men experience some form of domestic abuse in their lifetimes. And if you just do a search of the Purple Leash Project, you can find domestic violence shelters that will accept your pet as well. I did not think we were going all in on this in this episode. I really thought it was going to stick to cheating. So let me circle back to that. And what I've gathered from some of the stories is that they didn't leave a person who either abused them or cheated on them because they were scared to be alone. To that, I say, if you're scared to be alone, I need you to go be alone and embrace it. Learn to be secure being alone. Learn to be happy being alone. And that's where I am right now. Some things that have helped me get here is that after my last breakup, I gave up drinking for about two months straight. I tried to drink a gallon of water a day. When we're dehydrated, our mind does not work correctly. Our body does not function well. That was really good. And I need to remind myself to try to do that continually. I read 10 pages of a self-help or self-improvement book per day. I walked and got outside every single day. You got to get that vitamin D. And I didn't date. And I just fully focused on me and my health, physical and mental. And it was the best thing I could have done after a breakup. I felt so much stronger afterwards. And obviously therapy as well. You know, we have to learn about ourselves. We can only control ourselves. We have to realize why are we ignoring the red flags. And we have to build up our self-worth to know that you are not going to accept any of these red flags anymore. You don't want someone like that bringing you down in your life. And once you escape that and you're alone and you can breathe again and you can have clear presence of mind again, you will be so protective of your peace of mind. You will also see that you're accomplishing way more because your energy is now directed inward to you, not to some situation that's causing you anxiety or worry. And you will only want someone in your life if they truly add value to it. And that's where I want everyone to be if they're in a relationship with someone only because they're scared to be alone. There's nothing scary about it, I promise you. I am happier now than I've ever been in any relationship because every single one of those relationships were the wrong people. And that's another thing about the cheating. A lot of times it's because you're with the wrong people. And then there's those times where there's kids involved. 
And a lot of people stay for kids. I had those thoughts too. And I was like, maybe I should just force myself. That's when I ended up getting back with him was when I got pregnant. I didn't want to be with him anymore. But because I was pregnant, I was like, okay, let's try this again. Saying this now, I know how stupid that is because he was an abusive person. And yet I was still trying to make it work with him just because he was the father of my child. So I know how hard it is to get out of relationships when there's children. My opinion on this and take it for what it's worth. I'm not an expert, but having been through it and having weighing those two options, I'm so glad I left. And even if he wasn't abusive, I'm so glad I left because my daughter deserves to see me happy. And if I should enter another relationship again, she deserves to see what a true loving relationship looks like. If you're just faking it for the kids, there's energy involved. They can pick up on that. I think they know. I don't think you're fooling anyone. I think you're just wasting your time. You're being inauthentic to your own children. You're prolonging the inevitable. And life is short. You know, everyone should be happy. Everyone should be with who they want to be with. If you haven't found that person yet, you should be alone. You shouldn't be wasting someone else's time. You should let them go find who they're supposed to be with. That's my two cents on all of this. Once a cheater, always a cheater. I don't think that's true. I think people can change. I think maybe sometimes people cheat if they're young, if they don't know any better, if they're still developing, if they're under the influence of something, or if they're in the wrong relationship. And I think even if they're with the same person and they've cheated on that person before, they can grow, they can get help if they want to, and if both people want to, it can be repaired. There's so many unique situations, but I think from doing this episode, I just realized So many people are dealing with this in one form or another, and they're dealing with it in private because you can't tell your friends how you feel about your husband or if he cheats on you, because what are they going to say? They're going to say, leave him or they're going to judge you. And maybe you don't know if you're ready to leave him or if you want to leave him. You can't tell your family because then they're going to not like that person anymore. And what if you decide to keep them around? You know, so all of these people, for the most part, I think are going through this alone. Please get therapy. Or please open up to someone who will not judge you. And before I wrap up, one last thing I wanted to state about my cheating situation and the other woman involved in that. I should call her a girl. The other girl involved in that. She knew about me the whole time. Who knows what he was telling her about me, but clearly it wasn't good things. And she was probably just, you know, supporting him and telling him how great he was. And all of that attention that he wanted to get, she was providing it for him as well as that thrill. For the longest time, I hated her. And I did equally blame her along with him because she knew about me and she just did not care. And I held that hate in my heart for so long, probably up until recently. Thank God she did that. Thank God he did that. Thank God I left him, even though it took so long. (laughs) And I'm so happy I'm not with that person anymore. I think we can look at these situations when someone does cheat on you. In a way, it could be a blessing because maybe that's the push you need to stand up for yourself and get out. Or maybe it's the push you need to reexamine what is missing in your relationship. Sending big hugs to everybody. If you've listened to this episode, I'm sure this has affected you in some way in your life. And I'm sorry that I couldn't read all of the stories that were sent to me. They were all equally important. I just randomly picked some as I was going through. It really could be a book from what you all sent me. So again, thank you for sharing. Sorry for my voice towards the end of this. Sounds a little raspy. I recorded this in two parts and my voice is just going. I hope you have an amazing week and I'll talk to you next week. Oh yeah.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.